Uh, you know, I was raised by parents that believe in God so much. Uh, and, uh, and I grew up believing in God. Um, and I've, there's places that I've gone that I never thought I would go, but uh, because I put all my trust in God leading the way, and I've been in rooms and places that I would never thought I will. So, uh, why walk by faith? Because I know where I'm going. I know where I'm here. And, uh, and more than anything, uh, I know my job here is to service people. You could say Sun Center Bismack Biambo is the definition of what it means to be a light in this world. Whether it's by his faith or his upbringing, he's created a life centered around servicing others. In this episode, we'll explore his journey that began in his native Democratic Republic of Congo, the miracles and tragedies along the way, and how it led him here to Phoenix. I'm Chirsten Soussel, and this is PHNX, The Story. In order to prepare for my interview with Bismack, I did some research on what his life was like growing up in Congo, and what the country is facing as a whole. I listened to stories about him growing up in poverty, how he often went without food, had to walk 45 minutes to school every day, and how his family couldn't afford basketball shoes, so he played hoops in dress shoes. His dad was always helping others, even when they barely had enough for themselves. If someone was in need, they welcomed them into their home, which at one point resulted in Bismack sharing a bedroom with eight other boys, sleeping three to a bed. Congo as a whole is one of the poorest countries in the world, with the majority of the population living in extreme poverty. Nearly three in four people live on less than $2 per day. Since his faith is such a big part of his life and his story, I also did some research into that and found that the overwhelming majority of the country believes in Christianity. I felt like that had to play a role in the hope the people of Congo have despite their circumstances. So I asked him about it. You know, I had a... I had this conversation yesterday with with somebody from back home. You know, I'm sure you have watched the Black Panther, the movie, right? So Congo is kind of like the Black Panther, the movie, uh, which is an idea that people wishes and desire how things should be. You know, we have all the resources from gold, cobalt, coltan, diamond, all these resources. The country is worth over... 25 or 30 trillion dollars. So it's one of the wealthiest countries as far as natural resources, yet one of the poorest countries as far as living. When I was back home, for example, things were hard because I didn't have enough. And if for a second I would have lost my faith because of the difficulties that I was facing, I would never be sitting here talking to you. So Sometimes, and, and, and I say this a lot, that when people don't know the people of Congo, there's always going to talk about poverty. But when you actually get to meet the people of Congo, you see and understand that these people have a mentality, a desire to work hard, and they persevere every single day and trying to figure out how they can make life work although sometimes it seems impossible. So to answer your question, 
I know I went a little on to, <laughs> to figure a way to answer your question. Uh, sometimes you you sh you shouldn't lose faith because things are difficult. Because otherwise, I, I like like I said, I don't think I'll be here. So you know, when you go home, you you see people. They have faith. They still believing that some days things gonna get better. They still believe that some days the sun gonna come out. They gonna smile. And they never quit. And that's what motivates me to still go back home. That's what motivates me to, if I have more money, I'll continue to do it. And when I do have more money, I'll continue to do bigger things. Again, you know, that's the way I see the people of Congo. Um, but there, is, there are, you know, there's always going to be the misconception. But the reality of it is, you know, I tell a lot of people, you know, I could sit here and talk to you about people of Congo, but it's better if I show you. And if I do show you the people of Congo, you will never be the same. As you can tell, Bismack is incredibly passionate about the people of Congo. Throughout his entire career, he's always poured his heart, time, and finances into giving back. And even created the Bismack Biombo Foundation, which helps give kids back home opportunities in athletics, health, and education. According to his website, the foundation grants nearly 200 scholarships a year, treats over 1,000 patients per week, and much more that we'll get to later in this podcast. None of this would be possible, though, not the foundation or even a career in the NBA, without the support of his dad, Francois who originally funded Bismack's dream of playing basketball as a teenager. That eventually led him to getting an opportunity to play in Spain, and then to become a first-round NBA draft pick in 2011. You know, I'm the first born in his family. He put up his money so that uh, I could be where I am today. Uh, he, he somewhat believes in me, and he sees, he sees something in me that nobody else couldn't. You know, when I was a kid, it was just playing basketball for fun until, you know, one day, you know, we decided and you know, he decided uh, you must go and pursue your professional career and paying his own money. So, yes, today I'm, you know, I made it to, I guess, the, the league where I wanted to be. Uh, but still, you know, without him, I shouldn't be there. Francois also helped Bismack run his foundation and was his business partner. In Bismack's words, he was his everything. So when his dad got sick in 2021, you can imagine the toll it took on him. After playing his 10th season in the NBA, Bismack put his career on hold to be with his dad. You know, any day of my life, if I have to choose between my career and my family, I will always choose my family, uh, no matter what uh, the circumstances are. Um, for me, I think my dad would have done the same. My dad never been in the hospital. When he checked into the hospital, that was my first concern. You know, I was in Miami, so it's like, uh, okay, we're about to go into free agency in three weeks, I believe, at a time, or four weeks. So I was like, man, I really don't care. I have to go take care of my dad. So long story short, once he passed away, then, you know, athletes, 
uh, we tend to cover a lot that with the toughest guys and, and, and all, all the problems that's happening around us, we always hide from it. We never face it, you know. And that's one of the things I, I didn't want to do is hide from it and say everything is okay. Let me go play basketball. So you take the focus, you shift it, you put it into basketball, and you never really get to heal yourself. And some days you explode. God, God knows how, what, and where. And that's one of the things I tried to avoid. And plus, it was uh, one of the most important person in my life. Uh, and now you have to readjust into a new way of living. You know, the responsibility, um, the holders of seven. So you have to make sure that now, you know, responsibility have shift and how you can go about it and restructure a little bit, you know, the family. I think it was more important to be by my family's side and give them the support they needed emotionally um, and uh, and being able to allow everybody to heal before walking back into these shoes uh, that require a lot mentally and physically. So uh while doing that then you start finding the joy of saying well i could i could be around you know players i could i could play basketball again i could deal with the stress of the daily games because you know in the league you're not going to win every game there's no every day that's going to be sunshine you know there there is days that are really hard and you got to find a way to get through those days so i can mix the two you know, dad and them or dad. So once that, uh, on, on, on one side, the, the process of healing with my dad, which we never, you know, I don't think we ever get to heal from these things. Um, but I think it gets better daily. You know, we accept certain things and, uh, and back to faith, you know, you have to lean more on God and try to perhaps uh, find comfort uh, which I did, and you know, I'm grateful that I did that because my faith grew tremendously throughout the process and while I was out of it. Bismack's dad passed away in August of 2021 at just 61 years old. He wouldn't return to basketball for another five months later when he suited up for the Suns on a 10-day contract in January of 2022. 29-year-old Bismack Biombo, new life here in Phoenix. Then when it was time to play, I wanted to win. I wanted to be in a situation where I would be challenged to win, you know, because I, I know I've put in a lot of work and I've stayed ready, I've stayed patient. Uh, but I didn't just want to go to any situation where it's just like, oh, I'm in the league to be in the league. I wanted to go to a situation where I'm in the league to win. It was a no-brainer for them to sign him for the remainder of the season. And every time he's stepped on the court since, he's honored his late father, his biggest supporter, by the number he wears on his jersey. I was in the car with my brother, and I was like, man, I want to wear a number that will somewhat resonate with Dad because you know, I want to keep him close. And, uh, and my brother... His name Biscay said, 
just just wore his birthday, man. It's, it's the easiest thing, you know. It's 18. And we were I, I think we were driving going to my workouts. And then uh and we were still in Miami before I joined the team. I said, okay, good. 18 it is. And then while I was talking to the equipment manager, I asked him for like all the other numbers I've heard before, like eight, still somebody had it, and another number, somebody had it. And then uh and then I was like, man, I just need a number that would feel good. And that's kind of how I chose 18. And uh and I think for me it's just, you know, always keeping my dad close, you know. I think he has done so much for my life that uh, as a kid, as a child, you you know, it should be ungrateful for me to forget a lot of things he has done for me. I think I must carry a lot of things from him because I, you know, uh, I came from, I came here with a purpose. He came with a purpose and he passed on to the next generation his purpose. And uh, we continue to do some of the fun stuff. So. Something else that was passed on from one generation to the next was Francois's selflessness and willingness to help others. Bismack ended up donating his entire $1.3 million salary to build a hospital back home in Congo. They broke ground on building it over the summer while he was home working on other projects through his foundation, like refurbishing basketball courts for the youth. To me, the desire of the hospital remained the same. Like, if you can prevent... Uh, something bad from happening and we dare to help these people, it's a blessing. If we can save one life, it's a blessing, you know. So in general, when you look at a project like this, you know, it's a, it's a project where you need to be patient as the project move forward because you don't want to rush it to deliver a product just for the sake of the joy of people saying, oh, well, it did something, but then the project is not sustainable. Then what was the point of building it? So uh, for us, you know, and by us, I mean me and the people that work around me within the foundation and the advisors that I have is that we must be patient with the project. And hopefully, you know, I get to live my long days and being able to see, uh, to see it function for years. Bismack has taken an enormous step forward in making a lasting impact on his homeland, and his work has been recognized by people well beyond the country of Congo. Over the summer, he was also invited to spend time with the Pope, which was a surreal experience for him, but something he humbly brushed over when I asked him about his summer at the beginning of our conversation. Go back to the first thing that you said. Yeah. It's like nonchalantly mentioned that you met the Pope. How was that? <laughs> you know, it was uh, it was a unique experience uh, because right after seeing the Pope, uh, they kind of give me a chance to have a private tour of the Vatican, uh, which was pretty cool. I think the whole place was kind of empty and quiet and uh, just being able to understands, you know, all the drawings in there, the stories and so on. Um, I thought that was a great ex- uh, experience. But again, you know, as a kid, you know, I, I, I never dream of, you know, meeting the Pope, you know. So when I did receive the phone call, like, oh, you know, the Pope would like to meet you. I was like, oh, man, me? 
out of all these people, you know, <laughs> I'm the last guy on the list. So, uh, but then it was just an appreciation, you know, of the work that we have been doing throughout the foundation um, and just finding ways to reach our communities, finding ways to continue to reach the next generations. I think that's, that was pretty much the most exciting part. And I think the meeting was supposed to be like 10 minutes and then come to find out uh, uh, because I do speak Spanish. So it was comfortable for him uh, to go back and forth because his, his main language is Spanish. So uh, overall, I thought it was pretty good uh, for me, uh, at least as you know, at the stage that I am in my life, you know, trying to figure out how we can continue to better the environment for kids uh, all over the world. Phoenix is fortunate to have Bismack playing for the Suns another season. The team re-signed him over the summer, which added to his eventful offseason. And although he's grateful that everything has worked out for him here in the Valley, He's still very much human, and there was one aspect that he's hoping will be different next summer. Everything worked out, and now we're trying to figure out how we can do this thing again this year, uh, do it better so that I have a better summer, because, so you don't have to answer questions uh, about Game 7. You know? So I want to have a better summer, and I, and I wanted to have a better summer. <laughs> And I wanted to have a better season this year, so next summer could be much better. So I look forward to a God will will do better for, for the city, the community, and for all our fans across the world. Playing basketball is what he does, and he hopes this year he'll be playing for a championship as a Phoenix Sun. But it's far from who Bismack Biombo is. He's a man who walks by faith and lives to serve others. I feel fulfilled by servicing people. So I, I walk by faith and, uh, and I leave to service people. And I don't like when people say, God, to help people. We don't help people. We service people. We offer our service. And, and, uh, and that's the way I look at life. You know, uh, my, my dad taught me that. My mom taught me that. You know, as I grow, you know, I, I think I accept that idea because it resonates with me. You know, it feels good within myself. I don't have to convince anybody about servicing people. I don't have to convince anybody that, you know, building an hospital is the right thing to do for people of Congo. I'll, if, if God gives me resources and I have the resources, I'll put out my own resources. Uh, and, and that always been, you know, my desire. I think since I was little and I continue to head in that direction. And nothing ever going to change that, you know, at least until I'm not living on this earth no more. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Story. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would be super helpful if you could subscribe to it and leave it a review. Once again, I'm Chirsten Soussel. Thanks for listening.